That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hello and welcome to Content Incapable, where I try to figure out what it really means to adult. Today I spoke to my restricted section friends, Christina and Grace, all about their new business. They've started a new publishing house called Wildling Press. I asked them about the process and what goes into making a book. Welcome to Content Capable, Grace and Christina. It's really lovely to have you guys on. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, I, oh, I was just mentioning before um, that it really seems that as if I always end up mentioning you, Christina, at some stage. I don't know whether it's because you are the pod daddy or um, you just just uh, omnipresent. <laughs> I appreciate um, <laughs> the shout outs always. Um, and welcome for the first time, Grace. Um, it's amazing. Um, I can't believe I haven't had you on yet. Um, I'm almost disappointed in myself. Aww, no, it's okay, Sam. I'm so happy um, to be here now, though. Better late than yeah. never, I always say. Yeah, look, I was looking at the podcast episode, like, plan, because um, somehow I got quizzed on it the other week. And I was like, well, I've only done, like, 20-something episodes. It feels like a lot more than it actually has been. <laughs> in, in podcast time, you've been doing this forever. In podcast years. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, over six months, which is just a huge commitment. Yeah, um, well done. Uh yeah, I'm, like, really happy uh, with, like, where the podcast is sitting, which is awesome. But that's not what we're here to talk about, because I feel like we always end up there. Um, we're here to talk about um, your small business. Um, Christina, I feel like you're the brains behind it all. Um, what is Wilding Press? Wow, you, I'm so sorry just to, like, accuse you of being wrong right off the bat, but <laughs> I, uh, okay. Grace, Grace is absolutely the brains of this operation. It's so not true. I, it is a real team effort, couldn't do it without each and every part. I would say that in our group dynamic, I am the brawn of the operation. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, we all have our strengths. Yeah. Grace and I, along with our colleagues, Mike and Mary Payton, are starting a small press here in Richmond um, where the writing scene is really vibrant. And there, um, there just aren't a lot of opportunities uh, for writers to get published in a way that's accessible to them. Yeah, and I suppose, like, lots of English degrees floating around, so people are just going, I'm going to write. Yes, for Mm -hmm. sure. We're actually friends with our local English department. It's true. (laughs) I know. All of the English departments, we just just befriend them. (laughs) Yeah. So, what in, like, other than the fact that there's, like, not enough presses in Richmond, um... What inspired you guys to forge your hand and create your own company? Well, Christina and I met um, working at a local publisher, and uh, we just really loved working together. And there were some things that we kind of talked about amongst ourselves that we felt like could be done a little bit differently. And so we're like, one day, we were like, wow, why don't we actually do that? Yeah, it was actually when I was blackout drunk at my wedding reception um, that I cornered Grace at the bar and I was like, we need to start a small press. And you know the rule, you can't say no to a bride on her wedding day, just straight up. You can't do it. So that's how we got here. That's (laughs) true. I also did history. I also did push-ups that day, circling back to the brawn. I did push-ups in the bar. Um, I am the brawn of this operation. 
She really I'm is. just really sad that I didn't get to see this <laughs> wedding. It sounds like an amazing time. It was, all the way around. So many good things happening on that day. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me very much, I'm re-watching Gilmore Girls for like the fourth or fifth time at this point, um, but it really reminds me of like uh, Gilmore Girls. So like you worked under someone else, you're like, oh, I can do it my way and I do it better. And you're like forging ahead and starting it. Does it feel like that? It does kind of feel like that. And it's really cool because, of course, you know, the four of us are all really good friends, but we also met in like a work dynamic and mm-hmm. uh, we kind of know each other's strengths and, you know, weaknesses, if there are any, probably not. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're just we, we work really well together. And, you know, you always hear like, you shouldn't go into business with your friends, whatever, whatever. But like the thing is, mm-hmm. is that we're like we we met at work and we know the dynamic and we're all really comfortable with the dynamic. Yeah, and even we're friends on top of that. So yeah, I was gonna say that like even though we are really good friends and we hang out literally all the time, we have that foundation of being colleagues first. That really is like the rock of our friendships. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like you know. The crazy ideas that you might have, like, with friends never really pan out because you're like, well, you know, I actually don't, like, think that that friend is a particularly good worker or I don't like their working style. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, I have vivid memories of trying to work with my siblings and it's like a hostage negotiation because <laughs> their working style is so different and, like, in my eyes, so inefficient. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, yeah. I used to be a, uh, in college, I was a lifeguard supervisor, and my best friend Emily was my, like, m- most, she lifeguarded the most on the schedule. And, like, mm-hmm. this wasn't, like, proper lifeguarding. These were pools that were only five feet deep that nobody swam at. Um, yeah. And so, but she used to call out because she was hungover, and I would get very mad at her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, so that's my only previous experience with working with friends. <laughs> so I'm making a note here. Do not call out because hungover. Okay, great. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Unless we all yep. call out hungover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just another wedding night that we get like, <laughs> drunk and then, yeah, you wake up the next morning and go, what did I commit myself to this time? <laughs> mm-hmm. In terms of, like, the process for writing a book, how, like, how does publishing fit within, you know, when you write the book and then you go to release it to the world? How does publishing fit within that? It's so funny. No, I was just going to say, it's so funny you asked that, Sam, because uh, we plan to have a blog. Well, the blog is kind of in progress right now, and we're we're actively creating blog posts. Um, And then in the future, we'll be launching a podcast uh, called How Do I Book? Yeah, I think that'll be coming in um, January of 2022. Mm-hmm. And and we chose that name because we, we really get that question a lot just really exact phrased exactly like that <laughs> like <laughs> how do i even book dude um yeah so you know we plan to um use both of those platforms the blog and then the podcast to kind of go through a lot of those questions about the production process and about printing and about i don't know just anything you could possibly think of yeah um, like every kind of it- a- and if you have ideas, let us know. <laughs> yeah, seriously, please submit those to us. Um, because, you know, we do get this question all the time, and we really want the, the both of those things to be a resource um, for authors going forward. 
Yeah, and I mean, the role that publishing serves in the life of a book, it's really just like the vessel through which you get to tell your story. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, writing a book is a beautiful, cathartic experience in and of itself. It's like the, it's like pregnancy. It's like the greatest pain and like the greatest bliss you'll ever feel is like (laughs) writing a book. Yeah. Um, Not that I know anything about pregnancy. I'm just making assumptions. But, um, but like, if you want to do something with it, you need like a vessel to propel it into being more than just like a document on your computer. And Mm -hmm. that whole process is refining it with professionals. You, you, every book needs to be refined and edited, you know, and designed and cleaned up considerably, honestly, um, before it goes to publication. Yeah. And so like when you're creating, you know, I'm just like imagining my childhood dreams as a writer trying to write a book um, and then getting, you know, maybe 200 words in, you know, at the age of like eight or nine, Mm -hmm. um, getting 200 words in and going, this is so much. (laughs) Um, But like, um, what are the kinds of things that you guys have to, like, creative decisions you have to make when editing someone else's work? Wow. That's such a broad question, and it's, like, literally so nuanced that I just, you learn something new every day. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, like, every manuscript can present something a little different um, that you kind of have to tackle. But, you know, mm-hmm. we all majored in English, so we know, you know, structurally yeah. what's supposed to be um, kind of a part of all these different types of stories that, that people are telling. And so, you know, we kind of have that base knowledge, but a lot of it is also, um, kind of forming a relationship with the author and, and figuring out exactly what they're trying to say and, and just helping them do that. That is such a great way to put that. You said that so much, you and I were had the same thought, but you expressed it so much more kindly than I was about to. I was going to say, well, it's really hard. Some, you know, the hardest part to me is like working with an author's ego. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true though. Honestly, and and that's not a diss. Every creative person has, it's, Mm -hmm. it's your baby. You like birthed it into this world. I'm not going to stop using the pregnancy analogy. It's like (laughs) you spend so much time and energy putting your whole heart and soul into this thing. It can be super hard when someone is like, you actually need to like completely rework, like not just this sentence, but like this whole aspect of the entire narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. That can be really hard to hear. But and like, go ahead. No, no, no. There's this saying in, like, journalism where you, you've got to kill your babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am always upset when I have to do that. There are many, many times, including last night when I got an email back from a, uh, from a fellow classmate telling me, you just need to cut this, like, whole section. <laughs> I'm like, please don't yeah. make me. Um, it's hard, but it is important because that's what your mm-hmm. editor does. It's like they have this objective perspective that's that's gonna make your story better so yeah we've definitely run into issues in the past with authors who um who don't want to do that but um i can all i can promise you that your editor knows what they're talking about yeah and i mean the cool thing about that is that some people really don't want to relinquish creative control over their their vision and like there's a path Mm. for that person too so it's true Yeah, so at Wildling, we do, we haven't even done, like, our mission statement or anything yet. We do, Mm. we do traditional book publishing that's completely publisher-funded, and those, uh, those are all gonna be, like, 
books by and about marginalized voices. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, we like the phrase like books that will make the world a better place. Um, yeah. And then we have this like author education element where authors can be become part of our like author uh, emerging author program wh- where they'll learn about the industry and get really hands-on mm-hmm. writing tips um, or like writing guidance. And then for the people who don't, <laughs> who have like this really rigid creative vision and they're not very excited about getting someone else's opinion about it, those people can do self-publishing. Um, yeah. And your guest, um, oh my gosh, wait, where is it? Scotty. Yeah, your guest, Scotty, um, Scotty McDonald. Um, I just listened to that episode today and he was talking about how far self-publishing has come and about how like, you, it's really just like more accessible than ever for people to publish their own books, their own ways. And that's like so beautiful. Um, and, yeah. and like Wildling can help you do that. Um, yeah. Or, you know, maybe you have a lot of really skilled friends who can do graphic design and editing and stuff and you can do it yourself. Yeah. And I suppose like in that aspect as well, you know, when I think of, you know, launching a book and, and publishing a book, you know, it, to me, it seems like a really expensive affair, but I'm, I, I would be right on the assumption that it's become a lot cheaper recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, print on demand has, has made the whole, uh, printing process much smoother and, and much more, um, uh, fiscally responsible, I guess, uh, <laughs> instead of having to print offset, um, authors are, which is when you basically like print in bulk, um, it's, so you, have to print. you have to like um set the printing press. That's why it's like you have to print like a bajillion copies because it's like a physical yeah. like yeah. printing. Mm-hmm. That's and so that's offset printing. So and in the past that was really the only option. So authors would have to, you know, and publishers would have to print thousands and thousands thousands of copies of of books and then try to sell all of those. Um, so but stressful. On demand. Yeah, but print on demand has um, has become such an awesome option for a lot of people, um, and a lot of the big publishers are also using it these days too. Um, and that's where you can really print. Um, it's digital printing, so you can yeah. print however many copies of a book that you want. Um, the The price per book is a little more expensive, obviously, um, but it's totally worth it. You can you can print thirty copies of your book instead of a thousand. Yeah, and imagine kind of, imagine and the burden. Of, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no, you okay? You go. No, the burden. No, the burden. Go. Imagine the burden of having a thousand copies of your own book that haven't sold yet, just sitting around your house looking at you. That would be yeah. so sad and depressing. Don't do that. You have to turn into like a discount Amazon warehouse at that point. Yes. I know. Just the storage um, alone. I don't know how people did it. Yeah. Uh, I... And in terms of like getting your like a book from you know being edited and kind of like finished to being printed, where do like publishing houses you know take in to like take a role in that? Wow, English. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, do you want me to rephrase that? Yeah, question? yeah, rephrase oh, it. Yes, I was like, Grace so is like, got this one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like the, the, the process between, you know, you finish the book, you've edited it and, you know, all great fun and dandy, uh, right up until, you know, you're distributing it. You've got physical copies, you've got digital copies. Where do, you know, publishing take a role in that? Oh, you're talking about pre-marketing. Yeah. This what I suspected. I sh- that was what Sam was talking about. I tried to foist this question off onto Grace, but whoops, it's my specialty. I know. It's, it's Christina. <laughs> She'll tell you all about that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, after a book's done and before it's on sale, I'm sure you all know that that is a thing that happens because you can like pre-order books on um, Bookshop. I almost said on Amazon. Don't do it. You can pre-order books from a lot of other places. Um, and in fact, I recommend it because then a gift shows up in a couple months from you and it's just like so beautiful mm-hmm. but um yeah a lot of work goes into the pre-marketing before the book actually goes on sale because if you sp- put all this time and effort oh my god dante now is not the time <sighs> let go of me unhand me if you spend all this time and effort crafting this book and publishing this book and like assembling your team and um getting a really beautiful polished product out into the world but like no one knows about it what the fuck was the point so you have to let people know that it exists and it's about getting your cover in front of as many faces as you can and the more they see Mm -hmm. it pop up in their fucking instagram feed i have literally bought books because they looked so good on instagram so many times (laughs) that i just had to and that's like the that's the name of the game it's like just look at my book And that also is why it's so important to hire a professional cover designer, just saying. Um, So, yeah, it's really tactical. It depends on the author, like certain subjects, certain authors. It's like, don't worry too much about being online. Like, go sell that to your church network. Like, go sell that book to, like, your, like, students. Wait, I take that back because a lot of my professors in college sold textbooks written by themselves and it wasn't. They were always very (laughs) superior about it. (laughs) But... But for some people, it's like, this is an incredibly Instagrammable book. Um, and so, like, that's where you need to be focusing your energy. So that's, it. it's all, it's different for every author, every book. It's just, um, it's about, like, intentionality, you know, putting your energy where it's going to give you the most um, joy and the most profit, the, the intersection of those two things. Yeah, and I suppose it's, like, especially with, like, the cover and book design, that has become a lot more... I don't know, enjoyable to see now. Like, um, like I'm thinking about like the restricted section, you know, chapter things on Instagram and it just look so beautiful and not even just like the decorations you put around it. No, like no offense to you, Christina, but like the book itself is just so pretty that I'm like, I want to buy that. Honestly, I stopped putting decorations in those pictures because I'm, I wasn't very good at it. That book's gigantic and the illustrations are amazing. So I'm like, you don't need anything else. That's the, um, the, uh, oh my God. Bloomsbury Illustrated My brain kept saying Bloomington (laughs) and I'm like, that is not the name of that company. (laughs) The Bloomsbury (laughs) Illustrated Editions, illustrations by Jim K. Um, yeah, they are incredibly beautiful. But in that, those books are a a design delight like they are honestly Mm. like an absolute joy to just look at i yeah i when i first got those as a gift because i don't buy new harry potter products anymore i just sat and like flipped through them so slowly like page for page oh anyway sorry yeah every now and then i'm walking through the shops and i see those books i'm like you know what i'm just gonna have a look at picture Uh, i could have been there for 20 minutes but um i've got to really resist (laughs) 
yeah. offending the the poor shop workers. <laughs> our uh, our designer Mike always makes the joke that his job is to make things look pretty, and he says he's going to try to not say that as much anymore. But I disagree. I think you should continue saying it because it's just so true. Like he makes things beautiful. <laughs> Well, yeah. and the things that we send to him are like it's an it's an email with like a bl- like a completely uh, like Times New Roman manuscript, pro- probably like seventeen like mismatched illustration files, like like just all these a different mess. things, and then you write like an essay explaining to him like what <laughs> like all the every idea you've ever had. And he, just, he just crushes it every time. It's incredible. When you said, like, 17 mismatched, like, illustrations, all I was thinking of is those memes about Microsoft Word, and you move an image, like, you know, a quarter of an inch, and the whole Word document explodes. (laughs) Man, I was literally designing tabletop signs in Microsoft Word today, and it it do be that way. It do be that way. Hey, they look great, though. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, And so then from that, um, from, like, you've edited it, you've pre-marketed it, Wow, so many dirt. I liked it. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you've pre-marketed it, um, and... <laughs> no, you enunciated it really well that time. I did! <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I could have done the... Do you have much of a role in then the printing and distribution of that book? Now that's a great question if I ever heard one. Yeah, so uh, we use a um, a print-on-demand printer that has a global distribution network built in. That's its and, number one appeal. Oh, wow, we love that. Um, yeah. And so uh, we're able to kind of tap into that uh, global mm-hmm. distribution network. So essentially what happens, um, as soon as we approve uh, a book with the printer, the printer is also talking with the distributor. So um, immediately, it's like a push of a button to approve a book. Yeah. <laughs> and as so many things are these days. and um, It's dangerously easy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is kind of scary sometimes. Um, but basically, you would just, you push that button as soon as uh, a book's been approved and you... Uh, Right away, information about the book starts um, populating in industry databases. So that includes, you know, BarnesandNoble.com, Bookshop.org, Amazon, um, and yeah, and, Bookshop. Let's have a round of applause. Yeah, for we love Bookshop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so at that point, it takes a. Sometimes it can take a couple of weeks to like fully populate. So it'll, the book will look maybe a little bit wonky on Bookshop. Maybe it's missing a cover image. Maybe the price isn't up quite yet. But after a couple of weeks, um, it will be fully populated. You'll see the full product, all of the product details, and all of the metadata and information for that book. And then people will be able to pre-order it. And we're also able to override the on-sale date with the printer because we like to give the book enough time in the pre-marketing phase um, between Mm -hmm. when production wraps and when a book is actually officially released to the public. Um, So, you know, during that time, we'll get the author's book order placed and so that they can have physical copies to send out for reviews. Sometimes authors are like, I don't want any books. Oh my god, that makes me so mad when that happens. I'm like, how do you not want copies of They're your like, book? They're like, I'm actually good with just the five free ones. And it's like, you have to know more than five people. 
Yes. <laughs> I If I wrote a book, I'd be giving it to everyone. Yes, for free. Yeah, seriously. Well, that would be my tactic anyway. Wait for me to get published. <laughs> free books, free books. Um, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd lose so much money doing that. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, so basically, once the book is in distribution... Uh, it kind of stays that way, and it's actually kind of mm-hmm. hard to pull it out of distribution. So um, I don't yeah, recommend the- pulling it out of distribution. Just keep it out there forever, <laughs> you know? Never pull yeah. out. You heard it here first. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's really cool that our printer just sends books uh, to these different retailers. Like, we, it's really a hands-off process, except for the more small-scale sales that we do locally mm-hmm. and to our mm-hmm. authors. Um, so it's actually a pretty good setup because, like, I am, you know, it's not fun to like <laughs> package a bunch of stuff all the time and like send it out. That's like not really what we want to spend our energy on. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, if Bookshop needs copies of a book to fill orders, um, yeah, they just contact the distributor directly and they handle all of that. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have to be involved, which is really nice. And then we just get reports every month for book Mm. sales. Mm -hmm. Do you guys then, like, have before you go and, like, release it to everyone, have a look at, like, the final finished copy to make sure, like, everything's okay? That is called a printer's proof. The first physical copy of a book that is printed. And it is so, so, so important. Yeah, and... um, Do you get... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah, and in the pre-COVID days, we a lot of our authors were local, and we would get that first printer's proof in the office. We'd look it over and be like, this looks great. And then sometimes the authors would come to the office and hold their book for the very first time, like in the physical world, and sometimes they would cry, and it's like, honestly, the like one of the most rewarding experiences uh, of my life. Yeah, yeah it's very no, cool. That's, that sounds amazing. And I suppose, like... By that point, you've read the story. I know the story that many times yep. are you when you go to read it. It's like, this is easy. <laughs> yeah. I know. At the printer's proof stage, we we always recommend to the author to look at it very, very closely. Because, of course, the printer's proof happens before you've actually approved a book with the printer. So that's like mm-hmm. the final stage and the final sign-off moment uh, before we press that button. Um, to yeah. Yeah. Book, so. And we use a classic workplace technique. I do this to Grace all the time where I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. Grace, do you think this is a good idea? She says, yes. That way we're both to blame if, if something goes wrong. So we are like, really hey, like to spread the blame, <laughs> spread around. The blame around. So we're like, hey, author, does this book look good to you? It looks good to us. And they're like, yeah, it looks good to me. And we're like, okay, so if something's wrong, it's all of our faults. <laughs> um, but that being said, we do review closely. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. I definitely think that, like, having as many, like, stopping points or, like, as many people to blame as possible is always <laughs> better than just having one. I always feel sorry for, like, the one person who always, like, ends up getting the blame. It's like, why, why is this person always in trouble? <laughs> so sad. The fun thing about the printer's proof stage... Well, no, but just I have fond memories of, like, really ridiculous errors being, like... Like, for example, whoops, the book got designed in the wrong size. And then it prints in, like, the <laughs> oh actual God. size. And it's like, whoa, these are not the same that. size for sure. Or, it's like, real. sometimes when it prints, it's like this, co- for some reason, like, this one really specific color is, like, very weird throughout this whole book. <laughs> Stuff like that. Or sometimes the butt crack, as I call it, a very technical term of the book where the spine is, sometimes that can eat, like, you know, illustrations <laughs> and stuff. 
Yeah. Oh, that's always my favourite thing. I vividly remember reading the Geronimo Stilton books, which are like, you know, edge to edge illustrated mm-hmm. and just like trying to peer in the butt crack of the book just <laughs> to see the rest of the details. <laughs> um, fonts. I was just like thinking, I'm like, what are the other design things? How do you guys like decide on what font you want to use for a book? Oh, that is just Grace yeah. and I just use a classic mm. Times New Roman for everything. <laughs> um, that's a great question for our designer, Mike. I don't know how he does it because I do some like low key graphic design stuff for like our social media using like Canva, mm-hmm. right? And like, wow, yeah. can I literally use Photoshop? Yes. Am I fluent in Photoshop? No. Um, and like, I'm always trying to emulate. Mike's like effortless like design and like mm-hmm. choice that he manages to like balance things so well and I just like can't I just can't do it like you either you can't teach taste to be perfectly yeah. honest <laughs> he has such yeah. a such a particular like feel for fonts like he'll ask yeah. a project manager like what's the vibe of this book or like right because usually some- he hasn't read them Right, yeah. Can't read every book. If Mike Mike read every single book, wow. Just to pick the font, that's all. Um, So, yeah, so he'll ask just like some, can you give me a thumbnail of this? Yeah, this is somber, this is mm -hmm. like whimsical, this is for like teenagers, this is for children. So like we give him some adjectives and then he picks a font based on this. Yes. I have an unpopular opinion. Why? I, and, Let's hear uh, it. I'm very sorry. I hate the font Times New Roman with mm. a burning passion. <laughs> Interesting. It's just so neutral yeah. to me. Like water. It's like, how nah, can you hate it's water? Regular. It's so regular. Nah. <laughs> um, I get in trouble for not using Times New Roman at uni because that's the, like, that's I, it the must standard. be a publishing standard. Yeah. Um, it's and, for sure. <laughs> um, and so. Wait, why do you uh, hate no, it though? What's the. What's. <sighs> It doesn't read well for me. Like, oh, okay. I struggle to read it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I use a font called Tahoma. Um, it's oh, yeah. a pretty basic. I think it's Sans on Word. Serif. I like, um, I like that one. Yeah. Oh, I it's know like, all the fonts. A, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a nice, like, font that's, like, I don't know, a little bit neutral. And to me, also a little bit unique. I like being, like, a little unique. Yeah. Um, I get that. That's true, and- Sam. You're doing great, by the way, at being a little um, unique, you know? <laughs> uh, but like I, you know I, I get annoyed I, you know in primary school I use all these random fonts because when I was like finishing up primary school basically right in the middle of middle school for you guys um, I like computers had just become something that were pretty much mandated in classrooms uh, and I would just be exploring with fonts left right and center <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they probably took up way too much of my time. Yeah. But now I've got, like, all these strong opinions on fonts. <laughs> like, Times New Roman? Nah, can't do. I Not similarly, happening. when I wrote as a child, used the sillier the font, the better. I would be like, what's the tone of this? Because I, I started writing when I was, like, incredibly young. So I'd be like, what does this yeah. one feel like? And then I'd pick the right font. And then it, like, makes your story look different. Honestly, if you're if you're working on a manuscript and you're, like, stuck... I do recommend changing the font because it's it's literally just like a new, like slightly new perspective, slightly new lens, just like the slightest mm-hmm. tonal shift. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it helps you it helps you see it in a whole new light. I can't remember where I heard this recommendation, but someone mm-hmm. told me one I remember time, this. <laughs> are you about okay? No, you do it. Where where uh, once you sit down to write your book, you should you should do it in Comic Sans so that. 
you're not taking yourself too seriously. That's the only time I will ever recommend Comic Sans to you on I principle. Think, I think Mike's the one who told us that. Did he? I think okay, so. Well, Maybe then, not, though. It feels like just something Mike would have right told here. us. For but those yeah, who so don't just know. To like, <laughs> no, 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 it's, go t- ahead, it's go time ahead. for the PSA. Because if you don't know, now you know that Comic Sans is not an appropriate font Full stop for any occasion. Maybe, maybe, maybe a bake sale at your kid's preschool. Like maybe. Yeah, that's age appropriate. If you're, if, if it's just get rid of it, get it out the window. Get rid and of it. Here's a fun thing. Here's a fun thing. If you're using a, a like a program, like this happened in our in constant contact, our email like newsletter mm-hmm. program. Um, if you use like too fancy of a font and other computers don't have it, sometimes it will automatically use Comic Sans. So watch your fancy <laughs> fonts. Because yes, ladies and gents, because Christina sent me a test email one time and it was entirely in Comic Sans and I thought she was punking me or something. I was like, is this a joke? And she was like, really wow, funny. Font, font too fancy, I guess. <laughs> oh, I have vivid memories of like a YouTuber. I, oh, I still watch um, Tom Scott. I think I've recommended him before. But um, he used to have like a weekly, he and his friend would sit down and just chat about whatever. And if there were like big errors in what they were saying, they're talking about something that they know about, but they weren't hundred percent sure. And there was big errors. It would, the correction would pop up in rainbow comic sounds on the video. <laughs> oh my gosh. And- <laughs> Such a vibe. Like, um, but yeah, no, I definitely find that like, there are fonts that people take you seriously with. And there are fonts that people don't. Yeah. I'm impartial yeah. to like a strong, crisp, light sans serif these days. I really like Calibri. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. that bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I like a bit more of a narrower font. Mm-hmm. I think it's because my writing is very wide, so like oh, seeing a difference. But um, I know, I remember in high school we had a history teacher once who, um who was like a bit old fashioned. She was she was a boomer. Um, not that that was a bad thing. She was a really lovely lady. Um, but um, she was talking about a history assignment we were doing one time. She's like, oh yeah, you know, you can do it. You can handwrite it if you want to. Because she was had been teaching around that time, um, and we took it really seriously, and we found this program that would convert your handwriting into a font. Cool. And we're going to hand hand in the assignment in the font because we had to hand in a paper copy uh, in like the font that was a handwriting to like pretend we hand wrote it. That's nice. so cool. Um, I wait. I want a yeah. font that's like my handwriting. It'd be great, and like I have a handwritten letter, but just <laughs> typed. So fucking lazy. So much faster that way. <laughs> Yo, oh, yeah, so much are faster. Are y'all... I Do y'all have the following problem? Because ever since I left, like, high school, if I have to write more than, like, one card or, like, one grocery list, my hand, like, cramps up because I don't write by hand at all anymore. Yeah, I have that problem. Yeah. I have to really make sure that I keep my hand relaxed and just, like, consciously not be... You know, real tense because mm. yeah, the hand will cramp up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our like our high school seniors just did their English exam yesterday. It was all over my TikTok feed because you know why make me and you know any less depressed about <laughs> you know not being in high school anymore. Um, and they're talking about their English exam and they they have to handwrite their essays. And I'm like, ooh, so glad I don't have to do that. Yeah, wow. Yikes. Um, 
yeah, it's it's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but like dragging it all the way back to publishing, um, I in terms of then like after you've put it out into the world, you're saying taking the publication back is is very difficult. But like, do you guys do anything to like maintain to get like keep sales? I don't know, mm-hmm. relatively good. Yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead, publicist. <laughs> all right, all right, I got it. Um, <laughs> I feel like Grace and I are in a meeting and we're like making eye contact across the room, and it's like, you go, no, you go. <laughs> the funny thing is that Grace and I have had this. Ex- I mean, we have talked to so many people, like high school classes and like other like radio shows and stuff about our mm-hmm. our work, and so Grace and Grace and I have all these like spiels that we just pass back and forth for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah, but. Uh, what, wait, what was the question? Oh, yeah. The, the thing is that a publisher can only do so much. Um, I mean, we definitely are always talking about our books. We're posting about them. We're, like, stoked about them. Um, we are, like, personally championing them. A lot of the times, like, project managers, like, really come to love the books that they work on. Um, but, like, yeah. an, an, the author has to also be doing stuff. Like, the author has to have an online presence most of the time. The author has to be out there doing events and signing books and stuff. Like, if you're not energizing your book sales, there's only so much a publisher can do, you know? Yeah. So, it's definitely a team effort. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, Adele at the moment on, like, you know, she's come back after a long time and just making all the rounds. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's doing all the interviews now, you know. You know, she obviously, you know, she took a break from making music for a while. But because her new album's coming out, her publicist has turned around and gone, yep, you need to do all these interviews now, Mm -hmm. Um, which I find very interesting. Even Adele has to market, okay, people? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yes, poor Adele. Um, <laughs> nah, I think she. I think she'll be fine. Yeah, she's one she, of the one name singers, so that's how you know she's gonna yeah. be like yeah. around for time immemorial. Time immemorial. <laughs> Is yeah, it, isn't that the phrase? <laughs> I don't. Don't even know. <laughs> you said but it like, with such then, confidence like- <laughs> that it's okay, yeah. even if it's not. <laughs> Um, earlier you were mentioning how, um, you want to uh, publish books from marginalized voices. Have you had like, um, obviously, you know, you officially launched and we're recording before you've like officially launched everywhere. Um, I'm correcting that, right, Christina? That is true. Yeah. Our official launch date is November 13th. So hello from the future or the past. Or the past. (laughs) Who knows at this point? Um, but, um... In terms of, like, uh, you know, you're launching on November the 13th, do you have any books that are, like, going to be ready by then? Or is it, like, you're launching and then you spend, like, the next, you know, couple of weeks gathering authors and starting that process from the start? Yeah, so I think we'll start out... um I mean, obviously, we're ready to uh, accept submissions or, or review submissions as they come in. Um, yes, but send us we're your also- books. Yeah, send us your books, please. Um, But we're also really prepared to offer a lot of a la carte services um, for anyone who needs, like, really particular things, like, say, someone just wants an edit or the copy edit or a proofread or they just want design services. Like, we're really ready to do stuff like that. Um, To kind of uh, energize. Yeah, and we're also um, really excited to be reaching out to other folks uh, in the writing community here in Richmond and 
you know, everywhere really, um, to kind of build up our connections and really establish ourselves. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff in the next couple weeks and months um, to get our brand out there and to, to let people know that we're around. Yeah. So no books launching on the November the no, 13th. No, hard no. I'm no, bo- no, no. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing about everything that Grace just said is that we are really excited to be, to like befriend the community here in Richmond on like a writing mm-hmm. level because we have such a beautiful, like thriving, diverse art, like arts, cultural writing scene here. Like, the arts are yeah. strong in this city, and there is so much incredible writing talent that we, Grace and I have, each of us only lived here like five five or six years, right? <clears throat> yeah. And um, yeah, it's just proven to be such a beautiful place with so much creativity. So we're really excited to find some of it and help uh, bring it to life. Yeah. And then like on the small business front, you know, it obviously, you know, when you start something like this, it's a bit of a risk. Um, and, and like, you've got to, you know, have a couple of balls in the air. Um, Grace, I know we mentioned before recording that you've, you've, uh, you know, recently just jumped into a, a, a cake job. Mm, um, yes. uh, you know, are you are guys operating it like a side hustle or Christina, are you going full in and like, um, taking the bull by its horns and just go running with it? Being able to hire ourselves is part of our first year goals. <laughs> um yeah so all of us have like other day jobs for the time being um but yeah the the end goal is to be able to make this a full-time situation as soon as possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i that that sounds really exciting it's i i don't know to me you know i've never run a, a small business duh. um <laughs> um but like in terms of like trying to you know make sure that i i paid myself i think i would have really st- struggle with that and it's amazing to see you've already got like plans like in a year we're gonna hire ourselves oh we're not gonna pay ourselves enough but we are gonna pay ourselves (laughs) are you gonna do you give yourselves job interviews and things like that (laughs) (laughs) that would be very funny (laughs) oh yes i I reckon there's a good comedy sketch there about like you know small businesses (laughs) finally (laughs) you know not having like a side having a side hustle um, and I suppose, uh, you know, to kind of wrap things up in like almost like a neat bow. Um, I know we've got like, um, but, uh, you know, why, why now? Why not, you know, beforehand? Why not later? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, well, this, when Christina got married, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, really it's because, uh, I think our entire team, we all joined the field at about the same time, um, like about like five to six years ago. And so mm-hmm. we really feel like like we all got the feeling at the same time that we had sort of learned everything that we could without going out there and innovating some of it for ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of get to this point at your job where you're like, I feel like I could do this in a different way. Like, I feel like I could take a different approach to this. And we all kind of felt that at the same time. And I think also just because of the nature of it, you know, we, (laughs) I mean, I personally am financially stable for the first time in my life. (laughs) Brag. Um, So it's like, sure. Yeah. Like let's do something like this. Like we're all feeling really like we're just ready. If you know, you know. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think, Grace? Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you. Um, and it was very lucky that we were all kind of having that feeling at the same time. Uh, it really worked out great. And and I think a lot of this has has just felt right at the right mm-hmm. time. And yeah. uh, and that's really propelled us so far. Because, you know, deciding to go into business on your own and and also together is is a hard thing it's a hard decision to come to i'm i'm really the type of person um to you know to get comfortable somewhere and kind of stay there you know like i am not the type to to push my my boundaries or my comfort zone and and so i'm really lucky Mm -hmm. to have christina and mike and mary payton to to just be so supportive and also excited and and to to really do this thing together because I don't think I would have done this in any other scenario. It it had to be these people and yes, we're know, stronger and, together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had to be these people and it had to be wildling and so that's I'm just super excited about it. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> um, also, the timing is a, lo- a lot in part because we mentioned that um, <laughs> I cornered Grace about this at my wedding. I got married in June of 2020. So this, it's been like a year and a half. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, June 2020 is not the right time to launch a business. We're, we're having a party, you know, like we want to go out there and like meet people and talk about it. So we the the whole COVID situation really kind of was like a built-in mechanism that made us slow down and really figure it out um, and kind of make our own timeline for things. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think, you know, being living in the 2020s, it's almost impossible to not discuss anything without also discussing COVID. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's our shared trauma. um, (laughs) Us all. (laughs) Yeah. uh, All the trauma. Um, But, like, I definitely think it's – like a really great opportunity and it's been really great for me as well to just reassess where I'm at in my life and go, am I actually enjoying this? Is this Mm -hmm. something that I want to continue? Um, You know, I haven't actually committed to anything long-term more other than my university degree. Uh, You know, I've, I've really left jobs, you know, pretty much at the two year mark. Um, I haven't lived in the same house for more than a year. Um, you know, I, but, and so I've got all this like instability, but like looking back and going, where do I want to be stable in my life and choosing, you know, that's what I want to be stable in. And, you know, I, I'm going to have this uncertainty between now and then, but that's where I want to be. And I think mm-hmm. that that, um, 2020 and 2021 have been great opportunities for us to sit at home and go, what, what is the future going to look like? Yeah, yeah. it's totally true. Mm. Looking like well into the future, what would be the dream for Wilding Press? We want to be able to assemble a team of of other people that we really, really trust and respect to collaborate with and inspire them to love our business as much as us and to help us build something really special and then to retire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Wouldn't that be great? To live on forever. <laughs> yeah, live yeah. on the legacy, but we're we'll be at the beach. Ain't that yeah. the, yeah. ain't that everyone's dream? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, no wonder all the old people moved to Florida for <laughs> you know their their retirement. You know, that's where all the beaches are. <laughs> it's true. They're yeah. definitely. But we do yeah. hope to be able to have enough money um, 
in the company to be able to uh, publish as many traditional contracts as possible, meaning... (laughs) we as the publisher would fully invest in those projects and mm-hmm. um, and we could really get all those, you know, marginalized voices out there. Um, and that that really is the dream is to be able to to traditionally publish all these books that that really mm-hmm. need to be out in the world. Grace always yeah. says the same thing as me, but like a hundred times nicer. Like <laughs> all we want is mo- it's to be able to like make money to like do cool things in the world. <laughs> and I suppose that's like the eternal struggle of a small business. You know, on one hand, you know, you're doing this really noble pursuit of, you know, not, not that like not discrediting it, but like you're trying to tell stories from voices that don't normally get a foothold in the, the traditional media landscape. And I'm talking about books as media here, but, um, you know, on the other on the other hand, you know, you're a business, you've got to make money. So, you know, yes, you know, the goal at the moment is to tell stories of, you know, people who are marginalized, but the idea is to then make that profitable and make money, I suppose. Yeah, it's definitely twofold. And that's why we have so many different things we do. You know, we're, we're definitely going to make a lot of our money from, uh, from like a la carte services, just straight yeah. offering our expertise. Um, but yeah, giving traditional contracts to marginalized voices is so important to us because of just the general, um, like financial inequity in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to do our part to try to sort of level the playing field a little bit and make sure that everyone's stories are getting told no matter what their financial situation is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's so important and so amazing that you guys have, you know, of your own volition, just decided, yep, yeah, we're going to do this. Um, and I I cannot wait to see what L- Wildling Press will look like in the next year, two, five years, whatever. I think you guys are going to be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. So validating. <laughs> Me, uh, I know who I'm going to choose when I want to write my book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, truly, we, I mean, if you have a book project, send it to us. You can get us at hello at wildlingpress.com send us your book or your book idea or your book question you know we're here to help mm. yeah and if you gonna... oh, oh so sorry. go go great sorry uh, and if you want to check out our website it is wildlingpress.com you can go there and learn a little bit more about all the stuff we've been talking about on today's mm-hmm. episode would you ever consider like having like a full like mortar and pe- uh, not mortar and pistol brick and mortar um building uh like uh, offices and things like that is that the idea at some stage who are you going to continue this whole remote working situation i think everyone likes the remote optional situation um mm-hmm. uh, we i think we do want to get some sort of office space together eventually but mostly just because we love <laughs> the ever-living shit out of each other <laughs> and we love spending time together and i think we all work better and more like energized when we're together what do you what do you think grace (laughs) uh i completely agree but i do think that uh, when we're starting out and stuff obviously uh, working remotely is going to be a a better option but i i would love Mm. to be able to work in the same space again one day that would be awesome yeah i definitely have this like desire to work in the same space as other people and you know we haven't quite returned fully back to offices here in Australia. We've mm-hmm. been a little slow. Um, let's be very honest about that. But um, 
uh, you know, it's been, not, it was nice to work remotely and then it was terrible and I really hate it. And then I've kind of got back to like a happy medium, but yeah. I get so much energy from working with other yeah. people and bouncing ideas off other people. Yeah. And also uh, this is something that we've only like talked about, but this is maybe part of our like 10 to 20 year plan, but I think it would be really cool for us to open a storefront where we could sell our own books and like used books and, mm. you know, make coffee do poetry readings, <laughs> gazing into the distance longingly. <laughs> I could, I could like spend three weeks there. Just, I'll live there when I come and visit. Yes, but, um, you must have a storefront when I come and visit. Okay, no. right. that's the timeline. <laughs> um, you know, that's a very short timeline right there. <laughs> We've got a lot um, of work to do. <laughs> Let's get the band back together. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on um, Contented Capable. Thank you for having us. We've loved talking with you and talking about our project. It's been awesome. Yeah, we really have been mostly just talking to each other about this for a long time. So it is truly so surreal to finally be talking about it to um, our friends and family and to the general public via podcast. It's really awesome. And yeah, super validating. Yeah, um, definitely. And definitely go and make sure you go and check out Wildling Press on their website. Uh, and if you've got ideas or questions, I'm sure they'd love an email. Yeah. Um, where can where can people find you guys on the internet? Well, you can find Wildling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Wildling Press. Yes, I got the same handle for all four. Can you believe it? <laughs> Amazing. I when I went to start our Twitter account, I, it was like, oh, this, somebody already has this username, and I was like, what the fuck? And when I investigated it, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I already had yourself. it. I played myself. Um, and you can find me, uh, Christina Khan, on Instagram at Christina the Khan, and on Twitter at Christina Khan. I'm not really on the internet, but you can catch me on some of the restricted section episodes. Yeah, when those come mm. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The restricted, the restricted sections kind of gotten to that point where we're back in the like the proper swing of things. Thank the book God. is finally good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, d- out of context tweets are just chef's kiss at this point. You know, I'm just yeah, I'm so ready, I'm so ready for the uh, the full chaos of the middle of angsty Harry Potter books. Yes. <laughs> uh, has there been any media um, that you guys have been consuming that you want to share? Oh, man. I mean, this is kind of a lame plug, but right before uh, this recording, I just popped on some Great British Bake Off, and I just that show is so comforting to me. I love it a lot. So, I mean, if you're like me and you're super late and you haven't caught the new season yet, just do yourself a favor and watch some of it because it's really nice. I'm halfway through the first episode. <laughs> Yeah, I I vividly remember in the early days of talking about Mary Clay talking about it, mm-hmm. and then I just never. And then the other day, I found an edit where it's just all the most chaotic things that happen in the Great British Bake Off, and I was just sitting there crying with laughter. I watched it like three times in a row. <laughs> so um, good. Yeah, um, I've got to find a way to get access to it here in Australia. It's oh yeah, tricky one. Mm. Um, I'm going to recommend, just because we've been here today talking about books, I'm going to recommend a book that I think our entire company loves very dearly. I know Grace and I have both read it, um, The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. 
And the reason I recommend that is because it's like a lovely book about people who really love books in like a very, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a very uh, like deep and true and everlasting and relatable way. And it's just like a beautiful experience in magical realism. And yeah, Mm. I, I recommend it. That's yeah, that's amazing. I I've definitely loved those kind of like real immersive books. So yes, definitely check it out. It's getting a little chilly here now, so I'm def- I'm gonna have to do a reread on that one. Me I too. Just feel like under some under a little blanket. That yeah. Book. Oh. Mm. Yeah. With a cup of tea, it's like that kind of book, but in the yeah. best way. So good. Yeah. Definitely gonna have to read it then. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at sam journalist and on Twitter at sam ob journalist. Uh, I'm gonna plug another book. Um, it's called The Candy Makers. It's this really great kind of like mystery detective with kids uh, book all about like candy making and that. It's really, really interesting. Um, and um, the author's done a couple of other really, I, I'm going to have to, I have to research this now. Uh, but uh, she's done some other really, really great things. Um, I've got a f- I got the name right. <laughs> well of the, done. Of the, of the author, like off the, bo- uh, off the back. Um Nah, not not a huge amount of things that I think other people might know. Maybe like every solar star. Um, but um, she's a really really great uh, author. Oh, Eleven Birthdays, um, which is like this little kids girls like mystery book as well. But she, it's a really great mystery book, and I really really uh, really really enjoy it. Um, and it's like really good write. There's lots of twists and turns and the end is like really surprising as well, which is amazing. A good mystery is like so good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I love it so much. Since y'all plugged books, I, I want to also plug a book. Um, <laughs> I just read and Christina also just read, but you had previously read a book called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Mm. And that's by mm. Shirley Jackson. And it's great for this time of year. It's a little spooky, a little creepy. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I listened to the audiobook, um, which I think maybe added to the creepy factor a little bit. I have recently <laughs> been listening to more audiobooks, so I'm kind of trying to get used to it just because it's such a different way um, to consume books. But yeah. I really enjoyed it. So if you're looking for kind of a... I don't know, like haunting book. That's a good one. Awesome. Hell yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate um, being able to chat to you guys and answer all my maybe slightly dumb questions about um, uh, book editing. Uh, and I can't wait to see what Wildling Press, Wildling Press does into the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Sam. Thank you for listening to Content and Capable. You can follow the podcast socials at content, the letter N, capable, on Instagram and Twitter. You can send a super boring email to us through contentandcapablepod at gmail.com. The art was done by Opia. You can follow them on opia underscore art on Instagram. Opia is spelled O-P-I-A. Feel free to message them about making art for your project. Our music was written, recorded, and edited by Nora Strauss-Riggs. You can find Nora at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. I am proud to be a part of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features the restricted section, a chapter-by-chapter Harry Potter pod with lots of spoilers all the time, 
the movie night crew, join some friends as they react to some terrible, some meh, and some really great movies, and Fandoms Gone Wrong, a show that discusses all things fandoms. My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast that follows the true hero of Avatar The Last Airbender, the Cabbage Cart Guy, and Of The Eldest Gods, a chapter-by-chapter Rickroll Roden pod full of myths and legends. If you're listening to this, you also ignored the warnings of reading the Percy Jackson books. Now that the monsters are after you, it'd be a good idea to come to Camp Half-Blood. But more importantly than that, you should listen to Of the Eldest Gods, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast. Join us as we talk about some semi-fucked up history and mythology relating to each chapter. As we reread the original Percy Jackson series again while trying to stay spoiler-free. Or so help us, Zeus may curse the pod again. Episodes out every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Content and Capable is a podcast all about answering the question, how do you adult? Don't forget to rate and review it on your favorite podcatcher, and I will see you next Monday for another episode. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hey everyone, Editing Sam here. I thought I would just put a little addendum to the end here uh, to make sure you go check out Wildling Press. Uh, I know we talked a lot about it today, but please do go check it out. Uh, There is so much more that we didn't cover on the podcast, uh, and they are so willing to answer questions. So go and check it out. Go follow them on all the social media, uh, and go and ask questions if you have some.